Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Amen, amen. Hey guys, we're going to continue on in our sermon series called Freedom in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 12. We're going to start there. We'll jump into 2 Corinthians 4 at the end to close it up. I know many of you love to watch old classic movies. I'm an action guy. I love those old classics. And one of my favorite movies was The Matrix. The Matrix series, for those that watch that, right? And the movie is about two realities this morning. In some sense, it's about two worlds uh, this morning. My sermon title is called Change Your Reality. Change Your Reality this morning. But when we look at the movie The Matrix, we know that it's starring Kenny Reeves and Lauren Fishburne. And we know in the story, replays a, a computer hacker who, who really stumbles upon another world, uh, Another realm called the, the, the Matrix. He came to understand it was the computers running the realm he lived in and that there was more to life than his current reality. As Pastor Brennan was talking about this different world this morning. In the story, he meets Morpheus who offers him an opportunity to, to, to change his reality. There's a scene in the movie where he offers Mr. Anderson two pills, a red pill and a, and a blue pill. The blue pill will take him back to his current reality under the control of the matrix, a slave to the matrix, in some ways imprisoned in his own mind. The other pill will open his eyes to the new reality. He offers them the truth of his reality. And so Mr. Anderson is invited into something bigger. When he takes the red pill, something changes. His identity changes, his name changes to Nero. He begins to have the supernatural strength and in the new reality, he has a, a new love called Trinity. And they work together to stop the computers, but they need to battle the guardians who are defenders of the computer world. In some way, Christ has offered us a new reality. When we came to Christ, he, we, we have taken a pill too. It's called the gospel. And we've entered into a new reality and we've been given a, a new identity. We've been given a, a new nature, a supernatural nature empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and we fall in love with the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we wage war against the guardians of this world, demons and the demonic forces who want to conquer this world with death. See, our faith in Christ has changed our reality. Just like Neil we have been chosen to be instruments of righteousness, instruments of influence in the world because we live in a world whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Guys, we know that as we studied the book of Romans, we've been journeying through the book of Romans. And it's mostly as we studied, been a lot of theological instructions to our freedom. We've received a, a lot of head knowledge. And, and as you look at throughout the book, we understood that, that we, have a, we, have a, we all fall short of the glory of God as you read one through three. We understand that we have been justified by faith and God has demonstrated his love to us while we're yet sinners. He died for us in four and five. 
We have received the benefits of his salvation. We're no longer slaves to sin, and there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in verses chapters 6 through 8. He gave us warning of religious activities in chapters 9 to 11, and he closed the book with application of all that we've learned in 12 through 16. Now, I know I've done a, a flyover on this book through the book of Romans, and I pray there's been some breakthroughs in your own walk with Christ, and you've come to some freedoms as we've been journeying through this sermon series. And I pray we understand that God's word is to inform us, but it also is to reform. This morning, we're going to look at the process of spiritual change, the transformation process, the regeneration process. We've been looking at 10 statements and This morning, we're looking at the ninth statement, which is this. Do I believe that God is not interested in changing me because he already has? We're going to look at the renewing of the mind and the renewing of the heart this morning. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Lord. And I pray this morning as we enter into our time together in the Word, as we continue our worship in the Word Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is the instructor, it's the teacher. Help us to navigate your word to the truth of your word, that we would pull out of your word the things that we need this morning, that you would give us a new reality, that we can change our reality, because that's what the gospel does. It gives us a new narrative, it gives us a new nature, it gives us a new way of living, a new way of thinking, and I pray this morning by your Holy Spirit that, Father, you would move in such a way that lives are changed this morning, that their realities will be changed this morning by faith. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Romans, the 12th chapter this morning, looking at verses 1 and 2 at the beginning. And the first thing I want to share with you as we look at kind of three things this morning. Number one, change begins with a sacrifice. We want to change our reality. It begins with a sacrifice. We see that in, in verse 1. One day there was a chicken and and, and a pig were walking down the street and they noticed a sign on the grocery store. And it read, I need bacon and eggs, can you help? As they were walking down the street, the chicken said, hey, we can help. I can provide some eggs and you can provide the bacon. And the pig said, whoa, 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 whoa here, Mr. Chicken. You get to give a contribution. I have to give everything up. <laughs> Listen, in order to change our reality... Christ is calling us to give everything up. He is. He's, he, he's a, there's a cost to the change of our reality, and he's calling us to be a living sacrifice. That's the cost of following Jesus. There is a cost to transformation. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12 of Romans. I says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The first thing you see as Paul is writing, that you see a passionate plea from Paul. There's a passionate plea. We know as we study Paul's life, many times he would beseech the people on many things. I beseech you to be reconciled to God. He challenges us in Corinthians. There's actually many passages where he challenges us with the therefores here. I beseech you with, there are a lot of things that have been going on through Romans 11. I'm challenging you, I'm beseeching you. We know that he was a passionate preacher. He is a passionate apostle because we only have to read chapter nine because we studied this a little bit, that he was even willing to give up his life for this gospel, for his countrymen. I'm willing to give up my own salvation that they might come to faith. 
He was passionate about what he believed, and he's writing with such passion this morning because he knew and understood the cost to follow this Jesus. But he also knew the reward that came with following this Jesus. And when you know a good thing and you have a good thing, you want to share the good thing. And that's what he's doing here. He's, he wants to share a good thing. And he, he knows that the things that he shares can radically change your reality. And I'm hoping it could. And he's writing to the believers and the brethren in Rome. And, and he's saying, look, I've got something that will change your reality. Some of you are tr- going through trials and tribulations. You've been going through difficulties. And you can't figure out the things of life. But God wants to change your reality this morning. Come on, come on. He wants to change your perspective. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your mind. See, he's passionate because he knows the truth that he has can change people. In fact, the word beseech means to, to appeal, to beg, to urge. And we know throughout Scripture, Paul often does that. It's an emotional appeal to, to the brethren, the believers in Rome. In fact, Paul quotes Isaiah the prophet in Romans 10, 21, where we see God making an emotional appeal to his people. We have a passionate God and he pours his passion into us and, and even God, you see his passion when he says day after day after day, I beckon you Israel to open up your arms and got nothing for my trouble my, but cold shoulder and, and icy stares. Even God would say to his people, Israel, I, I love you and he's pouring himself out. He's passionate about them even the light when they turn around. I'm hoping that we talk about the change of your reality. You're not presenting a cold heart against what you're gonna hear today. But he comes with his appeal because his heal is based on the mercies of God. It's based on that. Paul is motivated by God's mercy and compassion and grace as he's making this appeal. And he understands the mercy that he's only experienced himself and he's extending it to others by faith. He says, in light of all that we've studied in the last 11 chapters of Romans, we see God's mercy. We see God's love. We see God's grace. Because our transformation and change is made possible by God's mercy because we have a merciful Father. Mercy is the outward manifestation of pity. <laughs> his mercy. We see that through his writing. And so in this passionate plea, therefore in all that's happened in verses one, chapters 1 through 11, by the mercies of God I appeal to you, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Present your bodies. That presenting is actually voluntarily, in light of your faith, in light of what God's done, I'm asking you, present yourself. Make that choice, right? What he's doing is he's saying this, in light of all that you've seen in Romans, I hope you've come to understand as you talk about this freedom in Christ, that you would have this breakthrough that this life is not yours, that it's been purchased that it's a gift, this, this life. And you've been purchased with a price. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not of your own? 20, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Just like we were living stones, we're called to be a living sacrifice here. And we're called to use our members as an instrument of righteousness. I'm calling you to lay down your life as Christ has died for you, you live for him. 
as, he's, as he gave up his life for us, he's given us new life to live for him. I'm calling you to lay down. You're not a dead sacrifice. You're a living sacrifice. What is he appealing to as he's writing to many who are listening here? They would have understood in the Old Testament there were many, many sacrifices given. But those were dead sacrifices. The dead sacrifices of animals. But because of Christ's sacrifice, these practices are done away with. Now we're called to offer ourselves completely to God. In fact, you see the sacrifice in Romans, the 14th chapter, Starting in verse 7, it says, For we do not live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's an honor to the Lord. Or, or if we die, it's an honor to the Lord. So whether we live or die, it's unto the Lord. For Christ died and rose again, the very purpose to, bits, to be the Lord, both of the living and of the dead. Amen. That's what he's pleading for. That's what he's appealing. He's saying, please choose this life to change your reality. You know why? Because this is your reasonable service. <laughs> this is how we should respond, right? He says that in verse one. This is your reasonable service. We are living sacrifice at the service of our Lord. And what he's saying is, guys, guess what? We don't have blind devotion. We know who we're serving. We're, we know who we're honoring. We know who we are worshiping. And what Christ asks of us is, it's reasonable. It's logical. In light of all that he's done, wouldn't you think that you would honor the one who changed your reality, the one who changed your life? That's a, that's a logical response to a gift that God has given us. He says, which is your reasonable service? The NIV translates the phrase, this is your true and proper worship. ESV translates the phrase, which is your spiritual worship? See, worship is just not singing like we did this morning. It's also doing. That's a true worship service to do, to apply the things that we have learned. I reminded when we haven't done this in a long time in over a year, but we used to pass the, the, the plate, right? The offering plate. And one day there was, their church was taking up an offering and they're planning and they're passing. And then it came to this little girl and she put the plate on the ground and then she stepped into the plate. And the usher said, what are you doing? She goes, my understanding and offering is I'm supposed to give all of me. I think she had a biblical, true biblical understanding of offering, that she was becoming a living sacrifice, a living offering. That's what God has called us to do. But the second thing this morning, that number one, it's a sacrifice. You want to change your right to be a sacrifice. Number two, change begins with the renewing of the mind. Change begins with the Renewing of the mind. Even just most likely have come this morning, we have a, a cell phone. But that cell phone has, has a charge that can only last for so long. We've all, we all have cell phone charges to recharge our cell phones, but if we are not careful and we don't bring our charger, we discover that our phone will die and we'll lose our connection and we'll lose cell reception and we lose power that this phone eventually becomes useless. Some of us this morning, some of the believers, some of the brethren. Their lives are transformed because they have been disconnected from God and his word that renews the mind. They've lost power. They're alienated from God and they, they've lost connectedness to God. Eventually, a passion for God. 
And we have to remember that his word and prayer are char the charges that changes our reality. Look at verse two, it says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, to change our reality, the change doesn't come from without. It doesn't come from without. In fact, it says here, and do not be conformed to this world. The world, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this age. The word conform means to be changed from without. This world is trying to shape you. It's trying to mold you. In fact, this world's trying to make you its own disciple, its own follower. I often think of when my kids are growing up, Plato. Remember Plato? And they used to put it in the hands and they used to shape it. The Old Testament, we, we have talked about how the potter and the clay. God wants to shape us using that shaping, but the world wants to shape us in its likeness and its, in, in its image, right? The world is trying to perfect the flesh is what the world's trying to do. It's trying to shape it, right? Think about David, Pastor uh, we think Pastor Ben talked about David and Goliath. When, 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 Goliath, when David defied Goliath, Saul gave him his armor, symbolic of the flesh. It didn't fit David. The world is trying to arm you up with the things of the flesh, but it won't work. It doesn't fit. There's no life to it. See, the shaping, this, this shaping, this is, it's a pressure we're feeling from without feeling the teachings and the philosophies and the strategies that are unbiblical world views, they're, bringing, they're being presented to us. See, this world system exempts itself from God. It, it brings its own value systems, its own philosophies that are contrary to God's word. If you go all the way back to Genesis, I was just having my devotions and this came to my thought this week. In Genesis chapter three, we know the story of the fall, but something very interesting is, as Adam and Eve were in the garden, it says they, they took of the fruit. They, they took of the fruit. And that word just jumped out on me. They, they, the word took, it just jumped. So I started doing a, a word study through it. Because Adam and Eve were being tempted by, by what the pleasures of that time, the fruit of that time. But the Hebrew word took means to, it means that it means to carry away, right? See, the strategy of the world is to be carried away or taken by or carried away by the pleasures of this world. That's what it means. Hebrew says, do, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. We got some strange teachings out there right now. We got some craziness going on. We're seeing it on TV. We're hearing it on the radio. We're seeing it all over. There's some strange, strange philosophies that's contrary to God's biblical truth. That's right. Come on preach. And so Satan is the God of this world. We have to understand that. The God of this age. He's the, he's the master planner. He's the scripter. He's the designer of what he's doing here. And he has some strategies that he implemented into the educational system, the entertainment world, the economic world for his own purpose. And we are not to be ignorant of his devices. See, guys, don't underestimate what we have been going through for the past 14 months. There are some demonic influences that are happening. Be watchful, and there's more to come, so you have to be able to discern the times. 
Paul will later write that we are to put on the full armor of God to fight against the schemes of the wiles of the devil, Ephesians 6.11. And one of those pieces is the armor of God is the helmet of salvation to protect the mind. See, you see, the world wants to control your mind, but God wants to transform your mind. God wants to transform your mind this morning. And so now he... We're not, we don't want to be changed from without, but we want to be changed from within. We want to be changed from within. To be transformed, it says. To be changed from within. God changes us from within, not from without. He changes the heart. He changes the mind. That's why we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The whole makeup of person, the part, the internal part, the inside parts. See, our outward appearance should be the fruit of our inward transformation. The word transformed is the, is the Greek word metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis. We're all familiar with the, the, you know, the, the caterpillar and the butterfly. It, it, it metamorphosizes, right? But this word transformed is found three times in the scriptures. We find it here in Romans 12, 2. We find it also means transformed, also means transfigured, which when Jesus was on the mount, with Peter, James, John, he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, they saw him in his spiritual body. But it also is in light of our future hope that we'll be transformed. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. We have a hope of our eternal transformation, our glorification. That's the promise. I spoke about that a few weeks ago at Easter but change comes by the renewing of the mind, right? I find it interesting, if you look at the gospel, Jesus opened up the gospel of Mark with what? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, I want to change your reality. And the word repentance means to turn the other way or change the way you think or to change your mind. That, that's he calls us. That's the beginning of the renewing of mind. The beginning starts with repentance. That's why God in the Old Testament always called the people to repentance. I got to begin to change the way you think before the behavior changes. I got to change the, what's happening inside before I can change what's happening outside. The world wants to see what's happening outside, but God says, I'm busy about the work that's inside. See, brethren, we must think differently because the greatest battle is between the ears. The greatest battles between the ears. There's a process of the washing of the word. We see it in Ephesians 5, husband, wash your wives with the washing of the word, the renewing of the mind. There's a sanctification process that takes through the washing of the word. John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them with my word for my word is truth. There's a, there's a renewing that takes place because his word is truth. We said that the truth will set us, everybody say free. Free, free right? We're talking about freedoms in Christ this morning. It's the washing of the word that will set us free. Colossians 3.10 says, put on the new man, right? We're a new creation. The older gone, the new, put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge, renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now understand that in Romans 1.28 reminds that we started off with a debased mind, that we were not right in our mind, that we were crazy thinking, we were living the crazy life, la vida loca. We were living the crazy life because our minds were not right. Come on, come on. Come on, you did some crazy things because you thought crazy ways. 
And Paul described it as the debase mind. Romans 7, 20 says the, the wages of war take place in the mind and, and we've got held into captivity. Romans 8, 7 says the carnal mind is at war with God. But guess what? Here's the hope. We have been delivered from the debased mind to renewed mind and that gives us a new reality. It gives us a, a new reality. What are we to be conformed to? If, if it sounds like this word conformed is a bad word. It's a bad word in the Bible. No, but there are some things we're called to be conformed to into the likeness of his son, it says in Romans 28, 9. And that's a different Greek word than the word we find in, in verse beginning of verse 2. That word there to be conformed in this Greek word means to be fastened like or having the same form of, as another, similar and conformed to. Philippians 3.21 uses the same Greek word, it says, Greek word, it says, who will transform our lowly bodies that may be conformed to his glorious body. But what's, what's the fruit of this? We're going to get into the process of being renewing our mind in a moment, but what is the outcome that will happen when this mind is transformed? Because there's an outcome to the things that we do with God. There's a process that he takes us through. A changed mind will give us discernment. It will give us wisdom. Right? Your renewed mind will be able to discern what is good. And evil Hebrew says this, is that a mature man is able to discern that which is good and that which is evil. In fact, Romans 12, 2 uses the word prove. Prove what is good, what is acceptable in the will of God. The word prove there means to discern. It means to test, to examine, to scrutinize, to see whether what is tested is real or genuine. Paul commanded us in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 to test all things and hold fast to what is good. See, when we are renewing our mind, we're able to discern and to test what's before us. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it true? See, a renewed mind will help you know what God's acceptable and perfect will is. The word acceptable means what is pleasing, what is honorable, right? Same word used in Romans 12, 1. Our, our living bodies are acceptable. Living sacrifice is acceptable. It's pleasing to God. God has a will for each of us. He has a plan for each of us. He has a purpose for each of us. We're called to be a holy priesthood, a holy nation, if we're called to be the children of God, which he has chosen us to be, blessed are those that are called the sons of God, then we're to walk as son and children of the king. We're to live that way. And we know that serving God is acceptable to the Lord, Romans 14, 18. If I were to sum up verses Romans 12, 1 and 2, I love J.B. Phillips' translation of this verse. It says this, with with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as living sacrifices, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remount, remount, uh, remind your mind from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. And so we see this process. We're called to be living sacrifice, a sacrifice to change our reality. It's a renewing of our mind to change our reality. But let me tell you this. To change our reality is a day-to-day -day process. Change is a day-to-day -day 
process. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 if you have your Bibles, your notepads, your phones, whatever you're using. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, right? The story of the farmer and his family, they lived in rural part of a country and they, they never ever would go into the big city. Never would ever go. So one day he, he told his wife and his son, hey, let's go to the city and go check it out. We've never been to the big city. We've been farmers. We've been all these things. We've always been out here. So they drove into the city to go and they get in there and they're just blown away by the city. And then they, they come to a mall and they're in the mall and they're seeing all the people in the mall. They're seeing all the shops. They're all enamored. And then he sees a bank and he's looking. And so him and his son, his wife, his wife's looking at the store shopping. Him and his son going to the bank to see what it's like. And they walk into the bank and they're watching what's happening in the bank. And he, and he sees this little old, old woman with a cane walking slowly, old walking. And she goes behind the counter and then goes into the vault. And 30 seconds later, a beautiful lady comes out of the vault. And the father says to the son, son, go get your mother quickly. <laughs> listen, listen, we think transformation it's automatic. We think it's instantaneous. We think it happens overnight. We think it happens really quick. Some of us come to faith and we, our life's been a, a shipwreck. It's been crazy. It's been all these different things. And then we hit the brakes. We call on Jesus and we think tomorrow everything's going to be better. You know, when you're on a train wreck and you're skidding on the tracks, they're skid even when you hit the brakes. Some of you are in your life, you're just skidding right now. You say, okay, enough is enough, God, I want to follow you. But there's still a skid, there's still ramifications, there's still junk that's still going to follow even after that that God needs to work on. Transformation is not instantaneous, it's a process, it's a day-to-day -day process. We know that the old is gone, that the, the new has come, that's us positionally, but we're still a work in process. Amen. We have signs still say under construction, Right? So here's a couple of things I want to remind you in this process. Number one, hey, don't be discouraged in the process. Don't be discouraged. Don't be faint-hearted. Look at what he writes. Paul writes to the Corinthians church in verse 16 of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Day by day. Some of you guys beat yourself up because you just feel like, oh, I just can't get it right. Right? Man, I just can't, oh man, I do more wrong than I do good. Uh, go back to Romans 7. We studied that. Right? But I, I take comfort in the promises that Philippians once says, where be confident of this very thing that he began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Be faithful to complete it. You know, our messes might be more than other people's messes. We might spill the the, we might spill the, 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 the red punch on the table, then, or it might spill over into the, red, the white carpet, right? It's, it's still a mess. Some of that mess might touch other people differently, and it might be broader. And we feel like we just can't get it. Our lives have been stained by our mess. But in faith, we just got to keep pressing forward. Why? Because there is a completion date in the mess. I love what Pastor Brent always tells the staff. The ministry is a, a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess. So don't give up. Don't give up in the process. Don't be discouraged in the process. Paul is, what is Paul saying? He's saying this. He says, guess what? He's saying this physical body, it's perishing. This tent is perishing. It's, it's temporal. It's getting old. As much as you want to exercise it, it will be limited by age. 
and there's no earthly pill that will bring the fountain of youth. I don't care what you're saying on the internet. I, don't, I know some of you guys were like, oh, man, we go work, we get that body, that, you know, that bodybuilding body. Those guys are taking steroids and cranking stuff in their body like crazy. All right? They're putting poison in their body. But there is, like I said earlier, there is a pill that will spiritually keep you youthful, and that's the gospel, that's his word. Your inward man is being renewed day by day. You may not be able to exercise your body like you used to, but you can exercise your man for spiritual vitality. The mind can be strengthened, and we are daily preparing for that future. And, it's, and you're being renewed daily. You're being reinvigorated daily. How do we do that? By the word, by prayer, by community, by fellowship, by serving, by being around. That's why we're challenged in Hebrews to not forsake the fellowship, to stir each other up for good works. When we, when we separate us from the community, we set ourselves up for failure. We set ourselves for a different reality. This family is important. This community is important to the development of changing our reality, changing our circumstances, changing our experiences. But not only that, I don't want you to be discouraged along the way. Here's the second thing, guys. We find this in verse 17. The struggle is real, but the reward is glorious. The struggle is real, but the reward is glorious. Look at 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. What you are going through, God's going to work it out for the good. What you're going through, God said, I'm going to take your junk and your mess and all the stuff you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, and I'm still going to use it for the good. Because that's the, that's the mercy and grace of God. That doesn't mean he wants you in that mess and he wants you, but what he's doing is he'll use that to discipline you. He'll use that to bring out his spiritual belt. He'll use those things in our lives to get us to take that way that was crooked. He makes it straight. For our, our, for our light affliction, right? We know as Paul opens up chapter four of 2 Corinthians with affliction, when, you're, when there's a commitment to walk with God, when there's a commitment to be his disciple, when there's a commitment to, to preach the gospel for the renewing of the mind, it's not without its trials and tribulations. It's not without its difficulties. We see that in Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. In fact, Paul writes this, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our bodies for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh so then death is working in us but life in you. Man, Paul went through some hard times. You later on got to read Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, we talked about him being shipwrecked and combless and hungry and beaten and all those things. He went through some hard times just like Jesus went through some hard times. And Paul called this affliction light? Man, what he's saying is, don't be wimpy. <laughs> right? Don't be wimpy. You got some trouble. Let me, let me share my troubles. Oh, my TV isn't working. I can't get my cable. Gosh, I'm struggling. First world problems, huh? Come on now. First world problems. 
the trials are only momentary, right? The word light affliction means it's, it's weightless, intensely for a season. Good. You may be going through some difficult times and as it appears heavy, and that, and that might be true, but it may, and it may even appear unbearable. But Paul still calls it a season. It's just a season. And this season will pass. What we went through the last and continue going through this last year is still a season. It's still a season. God knows exactly what's going on. Maybe you need to push us to the internet so others can hear the gospel. Maybe he need to push you in places you need to be with your family so they can hear the gospel. Maybe he needs to put you in places that maybe this thing wouldn't allow you to be in unless it was for this season. God knows exactly what he's doing. But it's still a, a season. But the renewing of your mind makes the season bearable. But more than that, enjoyable. What? What are you talking about enjoyable? James writes this. In chapter 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The trials is what perfects us. The trials is the sandpaper. You know, some of you got some rough edges out there, and God uses the trial to sand you down, and he takes the different levels of the sandpaper. Maybe you have different trials, but that different trials, I just did my, my dad's floors at his house, and I had to use diff three different levels of sandpaper. Rough, medium, and light, right? Rough, medium, and finish. Well, maybe the trial of your life is some of you are just going through the rough right now. You're just being, man, I'm just feeling it. It's hurting. But eventually, God's going to get to the finished work sandpaper. Some of you are like, oh, this is not as hard. But he's tricking you out. He's sending you down. He's perfecting you. That's what he's doing. But the word, the word in that, the saturation of the word is keeping us having our right mind that we can rejoice in the midst of the work that God is doing. And the trial is for our glory, he says, right? Negative circumstances have a positive effect when we have faith in Christ. So yeah, what we face today is difficult. And it will seem like nothing compared to what is to come. But listen, the change of your reality is happening because you've been touched by his written word and his living word. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit is of the Lord, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is in the Spirit. Make us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And lastly, as we close, we focus on the internal, not the temporal. That's the process. We focus on the eternal, not the temporal. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. To change your reality, you need to change your vision. To change your reality, you need to change your vision. We must learn to live with an eternal perspective. That's our new reality. We must learn to live with the end in mind. That's a renewed thinking. If you run a business, usually you get vision. But the vision comes from what do I want to see as the finished product? And that's how I get there. We have a finished product. There's eternal glory. There's a finish line. Welcome, good and faithful servant. There's an end to this, right? But if you're focusing 
on the temporal, you're being conformed to this world. If you're focusing on the temporal, you're being conformed to this world. That's why John talks about, be careful, you don't have misplaced love. 1 John 2, 15 through 7 says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of, the, of this world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. He's contrasting there. We can focus on the temporal. We can focus on the here and now. But guys, it's only a moment. It's a whisper. It's, it's like this. But by the grace of God, we make it to 80 years compared to all eternity. There are two realities, the temporal and the eternal. But what you see in the scriptures, it takes the invisible and it makes it visible. It takes the invisible and it makes it visible. And we need a daily reminder of the eternal. This will keep us focused on our new reality. That's the changing of the mind. So I remind you with these three thoughts as we close and partake of communion in a moment. Number one, to change your reality means you begin to change begins with sacrifice. Change begins with sacrifice. Calling us to be a living sacrifice. We want to change our reality? Change begins with the renewing of the mind. Being changed from within through the prayer, through the word, through the sanctification, through the fellowship, to the, to the community, being together. And change, do you want to change our reality? Is a day-by-day day process. It's a process this morning. Let's pray. Father, heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Lord. I pray for your people, Lord, this morning that are here. Maybe there are those that are just struggling right now and feel like they haven't seen any change or they're going through it. And maybe there are those here that are rejoicing in the fact that you transformed their lives. Lord, we're all at different places in this journey with you and this faith walk. But Father, we know your word is true. We know your word brings life. And we know that faith comes by the word and hearing the word. If maybe you're here this morning and you're like, pastor, man, I just need some prayer, man. I need my reality changed. First, it comes repentance and following Christ. First, it's coming to a faith in Christ. That's where our first reality has to begin to change is with our own walk and our own relationship with God. That's the first. The second is just repentance of, Lord, I'm, I'm investing too much time in other things and not in who you are. If you're here this morning and you just need that that change there, that moment by faith, you need to say, God, change me. I just want you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning. Anybody? I see you. I see you in the back. I see you in the back. I see you in the back. Anybody else? I see you in the back. I see you in the front. I see you. I see you. I see hands raised. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray this morning for those that have raised their hand this morning. And maybe there's some online that have raised their hand. I don't know. But I pray for those that have said, Lord, I need my reality changed. And that only comes by faith in Jesus. Lord, you know the heart of men. And so, Father, I pray this, this morning that you grip their hearts. Father, but more than that, they grip your heart. <laughs> Father, they keep their eyes fixed on you, Lord. Today is not a day. Today is just the beginning. The beginning of the change of the reality. It's not the finish line. It's the beginning line. And so, Lord, I pray for them, Lord, this morning as they raise their hand and their hearts are saying, Lord, I need you to change my reality. Father, I pray you begin by changing the reality, by them first calling on your name, and second, by them renewing their mind. 
And so, Lord, I pray for them this morning, for those that said yes to you. Father, their commitment is to follow you in light of all that's happening and the things they're hearing outside these doors. That their minds would be renewed by the washing of your word, by the encouragement of the saints, by the blessings of your spirit that comes because they abide in you and rest in you and trust you in all things. Father, they're becoming living sacrifices this morning. They're choosing to present their bodies to you this morning. I pray your hand upon them right now, Lord. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Immerse them with your presence that they may know and taste that you're good. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time. Thank you.